0: Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codenamed Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codenamed Arate. I'm a blur with a love of artwork and comics and animation.
1: And I'm a writer and blurred with a love for pretty much the same things.
0: We grew up together and spent formative years watching and talking about DC superhero
1: shows and content.
0: In fact, we still do.
1: Every episode, we will discuss a DC production compared to its original source material and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This season, we're getting whelmed for DC's greatest sidekicks and covering every episode of Young Justice on...
0: Yeah, another DC animated podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Welcome to yet another episode of yet yeah, another DC animated podcast. My name is Jamar Griffith, co Comic Shams. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename
1: arate Andrew and I have known each other since 1986. That was the year a little manga called Yu-Gi-Oh! premiered and Yu-Gi-Oh! just happens to center around a main character who, when they put on a certain golden item, they're possessed by an ancient spirit with access to magical powers that may or may not be from Egypt, depending on how convenient it is for the writer.
0: Damn, I had a Yu Gi Oh joke too during this, but I never realized that Yu Gi Oh is Dr. Fate. Or rather, (laughs) Yami Yugi is Dr. Fate.
1: Or spoilers, (laughs) Atem. I got to the end, guys. I've seen it all.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, damn it. I'm feeling like more and more. It's just like my whole childhood, it's just one big story of all similar (laughs) (laughs) characters.
1: fun fact At- Atem is meta backwards so do with that what you will oh my
0: god <laughs> <laughs> alright so while Andrew continues to unlock his secrets of the universe I'm going to try to unlock some of this stuff from Young Justice <laughs> as we are covering episodes 7 through 9 of the first season Uh these episodes are titled Denial which is also a river in egypt um (laughs) downtime and bereft i think i hopefully i pronounced that correctly
1: i think Uh, so i think that's on the money okay cool
0: uh so the uh because of i guess because of the fact that we've unlocked so much stuff about the knowledge and the little easter eggs that are coming up and because we're dealing with a lot of young justice characters they're going to call this episode youthful insight Oh, okay.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I tried on that one. <laughs> uh so our cast list is as follows for these episodes. We have Alan Tudyk, who once again adds another DC animated character to his resume, as he's the unwelcome voice inside
1: the team's head as the villain Simon. I think he should just do like a cabaret special with all the characters he's voiced in DC just in one room. I think he's earned it.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. I need it to be like a full on conversation about like him talking about how these each character talk about how great Alan Tudyk is.
1: (laughs) That guy can really voice act.
0: (laughs) Uh, Speaking of voice actors, Edward Asner, um, Carl from Up is back once again into the DC universe as Kent Nelson um, with Kevin Michael Richardson providing the voice of his alter ego, Dr. Fate. Uh, we, next up we have Kerry Payton. He's doing double voice work today. Not only as the mainstay character Calderon our Aqualad, he's also playing Black Manta. These two are my favorites of all. Um, Phil Lamar voices Aquaman. <laughs> oh yeah. So I'm just going to say that Aquaman is black now. <laughs> so I'm just going to take it as that.
1: <laughs> my Aquaman is black. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And finally, speaking of a great uh, voice actress, we have Cree Summer, whose voice is just so iconic. As soon as you hear her, you know it's her. Uh, Cree is voicing three characters today. Madam Xanadu in the episode of Denial. She is also voicing Tula in the episode Downtime. And finally, also in Downtime, she is the voice of Mary West, the sister of Iris and sister-in-law of Barry Allen the Flash. All right, so now that we got our cast list set, it is time to zeta tube over to the beginning of
1: denial. Right away, you're gonna win me over because it starts in New Orleans, one of my favorite cities outside yes. of New York City. Uh, sorry, New Orleans, but I gotta have loyalty. Um, <laughs> and we see an old man walking into a um, some some kind of shop. It's I think it's a psychic general psychic shop. Mm-hmm. Um, for Madam Xanadu. And she's charging like stacks of hundreds <laughs> for you <laughs> to commune with the dead. But the old man is not quite impressed.
0: Yes, because he proves that she is faker than Miss Cleo after... <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. I have fond memories of Miss Cleo. <laughs> Call him a now. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he she's faker than Miss Cleo because he points out every single piece of choreographed technology that's around her to mimic the magic, such as fans to make things blow around, um, lights to make it look like her her eyes were shining from being possessed, and finally, my favorite thing—more hydraulics than anything ever produced in the Fast and Furious movies.
1: That's truly impressive. Oh, like yeah. that is effort.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they went to space y'all like come on (laughs) (laughs) so he calls her out on it unfortunately though one trick that she did not have up her sleeve because she did not expect this nor did kent nelson is that a man comes from behind grabs him and the two of them vanish in thin air as she leaves quite upset um but we do see that his cane the of kent nelson's cane is just also just floats in mid-air it starts to glow Leading to a couple weeks later now, where the team is convening at Mountain Justice.
1: Yeah, and here we get a you know some cute teases of Megan and Artemis talking about um, their teammates and who they might be interested in. Again, of course, says no to Superboy. She says he's more like an older brother. A comment that becomes a lot weirder the longer the series goes on. And <laughs> Artemis is says no to Wally. He's too. Uh, he's too immature, he's too girl crazy, so she's not interested either. And their conversations are interrupted by the fact that they find out that Kent Nelson is missing, a former JSA member. He's apparently been missing for like three weeks, yeah. And no one's done anything <laughs> about it? <laughs> like, they mentioned that he goes on quote unquote walkabouts, but still, guys, wow.
0: Yeah, wow, like you guys
1: are friends. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Were like this is this is just wild that um he's been gone for this long and it's revealed to them that you know he's a I, I think one of my favorite moments that came up was that um Cal calls him oh he's like Earth Sorcerer Supreme. <laughs> and I was like, Is this a is this a dig at, at Doctor Strange before the movie even came out? <laughs>
1: Yeah, they were ahead of the curve. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, this is where we kind of learn where everybody stands on magic, which is a pretty, I, I did appreciate this scene here because we do see that, you know, there are some magic users on the team, such as Cal, who is, um, who uses aqua magic, um, you know, way of the water, as Avatar fans will call it. Uh, we call it water bending on this show. Um, and we do see that one person in particular, believes that magic is just science that hasn't been called out for what it is, which he states that he's just Dumbledoreing up science. And this is where he decides, and this is Wally, Kid Flash. He's like, I don't care for all this stuff. But he decides that because McGann, who is really into magic based off of her interactions with Martians and the priests and priestesses that are on Mars, he decides this is a great opportunity to pretend that he's really interested in magic so that he could get closer to McGann.
1: Yeah, and, uh Robin sits this one out because apparently Batman needs to outsource sometimes. He can't do everything <laughs> alone. So Robin's out of this one, but they all get a they get a key to the Tower of Fate. And once they get inside, this is crazy foreshadowing. We're not gonna dive into this crate yet, but Wally uh again he they're like the a Tower of Fate projection of Kent Nelson asks, Why are you guys here? Wally says he honestly wants to learn magic, which causes all of them, because he's obviously BSing for Megan, they all fall into a lava pit with Superboy almost falling into a pit of lava. This mm. is crazy foreshadowing to something that happens four seasons later. It's <laughs> insanity <laughs> how far out they planned. Um, and while they're falling into the lava, while he hits on Megan, when Artemis points out, is this the time? He's like, well, we're about to die, so yeah, <laughs> which, you know what? I can't argue with it on I that.
0: Can't, I can't either. It's like, if you're going to shoot your shot, you might as well shoot it when you can't shoot it no more. <laughs> <laughs> At the same time, though, we do see what's happening with Captain Nelson. He is being held captive by uh, two Magical Arts users, um, one of whom has a familiar uh, cat named Tickle, and this is Clarion the Witch Boy. Uh, So Tickle does see the team arrive and goes to alert his his co-conspirators about what's going on. The other magician is our favorite magician from the Flash TV series, uh, the one that is played by another mainstay within the DC universe, um, uh, mostly seen him as polka dot man in the DCEU. But we have Abracadabra, who is joining us today. Um, he is voiced by actually the same person who is voicing uh Red Tornado. So that's why we didn't really give him a shout-out, but I have to do it now just because I feel like you know, flash now and uh, wrapping up, we may s- not ever see this dude again because I think spoilers, he died. Uh <laughs> but in this show, he's alive and well, uh, torturing Kent Nelson and um, demanding for a way to get into the Tower of Fate which upon seeing that the tower is now opened up the three of them are the two of them drag Kent Nelson over to the tower so they can enter it
1: and find the helmet of fate as they're in there uh Wally Artemis gets mad at Wally cuz she says yeah. you know you're lying almost got us killed completely fair argument and Wally is just really laying in the fact he does not believe in magic despite Aqualad saying yo, literally my whole thing is magic. (laughs) Like, what are you talking about? And he's like, oh, it's biology. He doesn't want to believe it. In the process, Wally and Artemis uh, accidentally touch Dr. Fate's cane, which sends them um, right in the middle of the kidnapping situation. And this is also a a great quote in the middle of this too, is that when Aqualad is trying to reason why Wally doesn't believe in all this, he says that, you know, Wally needs to believe uh that the impossible can't happen, or so, you know, just to to be the logic, which is the a- a exact opposite of the Flash TV show, where he's always where Barry's always like, you need to believe in the impossible. It's the like opening narration for the entire series. <laughs> um but Luckily, Wally and Artemis uh, get teleported by the cane exactly where they need to go. Yes, and
0: I think this was all orchestrated by um by the I'm going to call this the astral intelligence version of Kent Nelson, the AI version that's roaming around in the um in the Tower of Fate because he is the one that is answering all the questions. It, it's like literally just a, a spirit version of Kent Nelson. Um, so. By being able to plant them right in the kidnapping situation, they are able to intervene and stop um, Kent Nelson from being tortured any further by Abracadabra and Clarion, and the witch boy, by which they grab him and Kent Nelson um, upon also seeing his cane realizes that he has back all his magical powers. So he calls for an elevator in the tower of fate, which Gives all of them a moment to talk, and I do really appreciate this moment that we had here because it does show that a little bit that um they were all right on certain things. So when Wally calls out that, like, you know, he doesn't believe in magic, it's definitely explained by science, and here are all the ways they can be explained by science. Kent Nelson's just like, you know what, you're right, this part is definitely true, which Artemis is, is shocked to hear, but then ex- but then he explains that Abracadabra is just using this ton of future tech to play off like his magic he's not a real magician however and this is where we get a chance to learn more about something that's going to come up years um in within the series but the the lords of order and chaos so clarion is a lord of chaos and dr fate is a lord of order who's making sure that there's stability within the universe because the lords of chaos wants to twist everything over to their side so this is why even though we always kind of see that like we always question like why is it that like the heroes will just take them out it's just because it needs to be a bit of a balance and they are the people who are providing that balance and as they head on up to the roof unfortunately um wally and kent nelson get immediately tacked by uh clarion while artemis heads back down to help the rest of the team face off against abracadabra
1: yeah and it's it's not going well um (laughs) as you can expect uh, wally is not really a match for a high level magician so while kent is trying to protect both of them he gets a fatal hit and um as as he's dying He tells Wally, "Just have faith in the impossible and put on the helmet." So he does. Also, this very—it's like I'm getting some Black Adam movie parallels. I feel like they (laughs) may have borrowed a few cues from here. And Wally puts it on, and um, Doctor Fate, that the spirit of Nobu, um, in the helmet is like, yo, bro, 65 years without using me? That's kind of rude, bro. Like, Mm -hmm. come on. Um, And while while Wally is being dazzled by all this magic and he's watching, he gets to watch his body being operated by Nobu. And the animation in this fight of the expressions, the magic, it is all just exquisitely done here. Yeah, I agree.
0: I loved Clarion's face because there is that one point in which Clarion does look like a very normal as individual. I mean, I, it, his hair or their hair is kind of spiked up in a way that it looks like devil horns. But there's that one point in which Clarion is so upset and distraught over what's happening because they start to lose that um, Clarion's face turns into this more demonic looking thing. And it's just a smooth transition that it's like like a chef kiss in knowing that like yeah this is a lord of chaos that dr fate is dealing with and fortunately dr fate um while this is all happening kent and wally get a chance to talk um but the more that they realize what's going on the more they see that you know dr fate's kind of doing his own thing fortunately dr fate does figure out that the um that Tickle, being the, the cat that was the familiar that was next to that was next to clarion the entire time might be um clarion's familiar because like dr fate there needs to be in order for, in order for a lord of chaos or order to actually stay with on the earthly plane they must need they must have some sort of like connection to it so for dr fate it's the helmet but he also needs to possess a body for Clarion, he figures out it must be the cat. So he immediately starts attacking the cat. And this is what leads to Clarion finally being able to run away and evacuate because he, uh, Clarion can't stay on this plane as long as he could. So now this gives into a, um, a very funny moment as we jump on over to see that, um, you know, Abracadabra is like single-handedly taking down the team. But is quickly distracted when Dr. Fate removes all of Abra kadabras clothes.
1: Yeah, Abra uh, it was <laughs> pretty bad for him. <laughs> Thank God he was uh wearing underwear that day.
0: Oh, yeah. And um
1: so with Abra uh disabled, they Wally is in that helmet and it looks like he won't be freed, but Kent Nelson makes an agreement that he'll stay. In the helmet until a time where a new heir is chosen, and as he is fading out of the helmet, he tells Wally, Hey, um, make make sure you find someone in life you're a romantic partner who won't let you get away with nothing. Yeah.
0: Um, I love and... they call this
1: it. like your own little spitfire, <laughs> yeah, get your own spitfire. <laughs> and, um, in a nice twist, because Artemis is giving Wally um some more crap and she's like oh, all right Wally you're an, you're an asshole not her exact <laughs> quote but basically the gist of it and you know it seems like Wally is going to go after her but instead he immediately goes after Megan which i think is a great way you know he doesn't learn his lesson immediately but ken nelson's lesson echoes in his mind somewhere <laughs> it's like young blood get back here <laughs> What did I just, what did you just (laughs) say?
0: So now that we're left here listening to the words of Kent Nelson and seeing that like transfer out and echo out through time, space and magic. uh, We do have to also head on over to our next episode, Downtime, where we're in Gotham, where Robin was the last episode. uh, But we see that the team has caught back up with him just in time for them all to be manhandled by the might of Clayface uh not the one that fell in love with his butt in the Harley Quinn special that we covered but a more murdery one
1: yeah it seems like the team is about to die and then batman comes and handles it in 3 seconds which begs the question of why he didn't just do that in the first place oh i have the <laughs> answer
0: to that <laughs> just wait i got i got i got receipts batman
1: <laughs> so they get back and he says everybody but robin i leave the room i need to to talk to Aqualad. even though robin tries to linger he insists it's just Aqualad. and batman goes troy your head wasn't in the game you know you're you're the t on your necklace standing for trouble today and <laughs> he, he tells calder look you need to either Give 100% to the surface or the 100% to underwater before before you continue on with the team. So that inspires Calder to take a visit to Atlantis.
0: Yes, we're heading down under, like really under. Um, as Aqualad <laughs> arrives through Zeta Tube, uh, where he's greeted by Aquaman, uh, the two of them have a small conversation just to catch up what's going on. Um, I think it is kind of revealed here that Aquaman does know he's like, hey, Batman told me what's going on, so I just want to give you a chance to, if you want to talk about it, if you can, if you want to, you could do so now. But he does invite him to a dinner that the royal family is going to be having later on that night. Um, and but he's like, you know what, I do want to check in on someone first. He wants to check in on Tula, who is another Aqua or Atlantean. I'm going to say another Aqua person. <laughs> um, he wants to check in on Tula, who is somebody he grew up with. And this is really nice because we do get a chance to see how expansive Atlantis is. I think, in comparison to um the movie that I'm pretty sure still keeps us up at night, um, Justice League Throw the Atlantis. Uh, we get a chance, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we get a chance to see how like how much detail there is in Atlantis, especially the school of magic, the conservatory. Um, where every single person who has a magical capability um, within Atlantis could go and study. And I do appreciate the fact that these this episode literally followed right after Denial, because it's just like, here's a quick, you know, thing from the group saying that, like, hey, here's this, like, full-on dive into magic. And then it's like, here's how it interacts with our everyday lives, especially for Calder's.
1: Yeah, we get to see more of the Aquaman and Garth, how they became so esteemed in society by saving, helping Aquaman in a key moment. Calder makes his way over to uh Wizard Charms class um with Mira, and he sees two of his close friends, uh, Tula and Garth, and they immediately you see that there's this connection between Calder and Tula. wants to invite her to the dinner uh and there's something off here you can tell that Tula has a secret to tell him but um isn't ready to do it yet after that we cut quickly to Superboy who's watching Fox News I mean just pure static and (laughs) annoying static (laughs) just annoying static and uh Megan is uh, trying to cook him dinner, but gets so overwhelmed. She accidentally covers him with ingredients and there's a moment where they're getting really close. But when Red Tornado comes in, Superboy just runs to the couch covered in ingredients still. (laughs) (laughs) And Red Tornado is like, even as a robot, this is awkward and just dips.
0: (laughs) I, I was wondering if they kissed, but it does make sense that you probably just ran back as soon as your red tornado <laughs> into the room. <laughs> um, but then while that has happened in Atlantis now, we are back, and it does seem like there's something afoot or flipper at in Atlantis where um Black Manta is joined by a group of henchmen. Um You know, still learn, still figured out the difference again. Henchmen, goons. These are henchmen. (laughs) They came, they came in uniform. Uh, (laughs) So Black Manta is placing bombs around Atlantis now, and it is clear that there's something that he is planning. And you know, we'll see what happens there when we get to it. Unfortunately, we do have to jump back over to Gotham City. Robin is training on the um the rings and the uneven bars. Um, you know, he's training for the Olympics very soon. And you can tell from his face that he's really upset, but I think the thing that helps us understand he's upset is that my boy punched a hole in the wall. Yeah, Kyle over here. <laughs> Just making holes in the concrete. <laughs> uh, but he's quite upset because he's still pissed that Batman wanted to speak with Calder specifically um after the mission and and keep him out of the loop. Um, this is still a bit of a runoff, it definitely seems from the fact that Calder was chosen as leader, even though let's be honest, Robin, you led the charge in choosing Aqualad as leader. And Bruce shows that he has cameras all around. So when Alfred comes to talk with him about it. They all see that Robin has punched a hole through the wall. So he calls Robin to say that, hey, I want to show um, Bruce wants to talk to you. And this is like a moment where you get like, you know, Bruce decides not to go the Goku route and actually play a game of basketball with his son.
1: This is a really nice moment of connection where he doesn't, you know, (laughs) presumably he does address the problem. But, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know. (laughs) If you're going to avoid addressing something directly, this is the way to do it. Just play a little bit of one-on-one. And you know Batman was dunking on him, so, you know, it's uh, (laughs) it's probably not. (laughs) So, yeah, so we go from there to back to uh, a Flash family dinner. Mm. Uh, This is just a nice interaction between three generations of Flashes. We got Wally, we got Barry, we got Jay Garrick, and... Thankfully, no one dies at this dinner. Reverse Flash does not ruin it. Um, <laughs> while they just eat a lot of ice cream, and that's the biggest tragedy, thank God. Um, after we cut from Flash, we go down to underwater again. And this is when Tula, you know, comes clean. She reveals she's with Garth, which gets Aqualad very upset. And then in before the great Aquaman movie would do this. The conversation is interrupted by an explosion. Um, mm-hmm. Count the explosions in Aquaman. How many conversations are cut off by explosions? It's more <laughs> than you think. Um, <laughs> and that leads to everyone scrambling to try to help the situation. Aquaman has had to temporarily step away. So it comes down to Mira doing some crazy water bending. Mm-hmm. Um And in the process, Tula gets hurt.
0: Yes. And, um, you know, fortunately, they do have a bit of reinforcements. But I just want to point out really quickly that it is announced that Aquaman and Mira are expecting a child. So we um, so Mira is just basically fighting while pregnant. Like, you know, like y'all thought the Rihanna's performance when the Super Bowl was crazy. This is this is up there right now. (laughs) And. As they're all fighting, little by little, they start piecing things together and they realize that sections out of five of them, only section four wasn't hit. And in an earlier scene, it was shown that it is section four is near the science center where they have found some sort of like creature that's like a starfish. We're not going to make any assumptions, but we figure that this might be Starro in some way, shape, or form. That's my own personal belief, um, as we're just like rewatching this stuff now. And as they realize that Section 4 hasn't been attacked, uh, Calder decides to head on over. And here's one of my kind of like moments in which we see that Ca- um, Calder does bring a little bit of character here because um, when Garth, Asked to head on over with him, figuring that he's providing an assistance. Garth um, Calder looks back and just says, Your place is with Tula. And he says this so angrily, showing that he has not quite passed over his feelings that he has for Tula and feels betrayed by his friend Garth, who, you know, and it does question because in the earlier in the episode, we do get a chance to hear a little bit about um, Calder's origin story. Uh, which we covered, I believe, last episode too, in the comic book section where he and Garth teamed up with um, Aquaman to stop Ocean Master um, during the threat. So, you know, it starts to question like, Hey, um, if I had stayed, would I be the one with Tula or, and would Garth be the hero that I am now? So um Aquaman Aqualad leaves very pissed over um, this whole interaction as he heads on over to the Science Center which seems to be I guess a pretty long journey because it does give us a bit of time to head on over to Gotham where we see that Artemis is at home working on her arrows where her mom comes in and announces that Artemis just receives some amazing news and passes her an envelope that I honestly would definitely say is probably just filled with money
1: <laughs> yeah um, so she gets a full scholarship to uh the Wayne Academy essentially mm-hmm. on Wayne's dime, and uh, presumably it's funny because she doesn't know Batman is Bruce Wayne, presumably right. in this universe, so it just kind of comes out of nowhere. And she knows about her superhero activities, so her mom is like, Do something I never got to do. Mm-hmm. We see that the mom is in a wheelchair as well. Um, so maybe that also drives maybe some of opportunities or she was treated differently at at some point. So Artemis does agree to give it a shot um, and try it out. So as we have now caught up with everybody on the team, we circle back to Calder going with uh, Garth and great moment here where there is a lot of tension between them still. And at one point Calder copies a Robin move and abandons his, uh teammate goes all ninja style and it works out um and it's a it's a great great move and as they as then we cut to Black Manta in the room he's trying to steal starro in the ice and we see two employees come up to him two man to manta man to men I don't know <laughs> Manta to, um, man. to man to men and <laughs> Black Manda goes, ah, nice try, Aqualad, and immediately sees through the disguises and attacks them, which leads to another tense battle. But Garth, after Aqualad encourages Garth to get his head in the game, they're able together to work together and basically get Starro blown up to hell. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Uh Black Manta in his fit of rage of basically losing, he just decides that if no if I can't have it, no one can. So he just starts to blow the whole thing up. And days later, Aquaman has returned. Uh hopefully he was back before that. Um, you know, I'm just saying Mira's pregnant, bro. Like you can't keep gallivanting anymore. <laughs> um, Aquaman recounts the damage to the audience with um Mira Calder Tula Garth and uh, Prince Orm, who is Aquaman's brother, and it's revealed that the only thing they were able to recover from the creature was the piece that had broken out when they had um, when the explosion had broke off a piece of the ice, and they notice it's already regenerating. Orm suggests that they take the uh, the piece up to the surface world because they're basically the lab is non-existent now, um, so. As Aquaman looks over to Aqualad, Aqualad agrees that he'll he'll take the piece back up to the surface because now he feels better about staying on the surface world, knowing that the one thing that was holding him back, that thing being Tula, isn't something that he can um, pursue any longer. And this is where we finally get like a strong kind of goodbye between Tula, Garth, and Calder as. The two of them wait with him by the um, Zeta tube, and this is where Calder he earnestly wishes them well, and then he asks Garth one last question. He asks them if he ever wished that they had switched places. To which um, Garth says never, and Calder says nor have I. As Calder returns to Mountain Justice, he's greeted by Batman, and he's getting the details of what's happening next for their next mission.
1: Yes, and we will circle back to that later. But right now, here is Bereft, the third in our trilogy today, where we wake up disoriented with Miss Martian as she is speaking in her Martian tongue. Mm-hmm. And quickly, after she remembers that she knows Earth English, um, from... I was like, <laughs> I'm Earth sorry, English. Earth English? <laughs> 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 Earth English is not even universal between different parts of the city not even from the Bronx to Brooklyn
0: um,
1: <laughs> but she finds there's some gaps missing in her memory and unfortunately it wasn't a really crazy rager that did that it's a lot of some serious psychic interference and before she can even realize where she is you know she's in the desert Superboy arrives he rips off his shirt. Um, it's not that and... kind of. It's
0: not that kind of movie, y'all. That... <laughs> no, yeah. Sorry, sorry, guys.
1: There it's. Uh, no, it turns turns. It's not. It's not the Harley Quinn. Um, <laughs> but when he is, he rips off his shirt upon being called Superman and dips. Um, and this kind of becomes the format for the early part of the episode. Robin is confused, uh, but he automatically hides because he has some of those instincts. And Wally and Artemis meet, so they're kind of wondering what is going on. Why can't they can remember certain aspects of their lives, but they just can't remember how they know each other, which it it kicks off this episode's big mystery.
0: Yes, the one the other thing that we do find out is that um, that they are in, at least from Robin's understanding, he sees some soldiers passing by and recognizes them as um, Beallian Republic troops. So he's getting ready to call Batman, and then he has an immediate flashback for some reason in which he remembers Batman telling him radio silence. So he's like, okay, at at least I know I can't do that. And as Artemis and Kid Flash wake up next to each other, um, Kid Flash is like, obviously, he's immediately putting the moves on her um, because this is a Kid Flash that doesn't remember ever meeting Artemis. So she's shocked also when she sees the her outfit being that she's wearing the full-on Artemis um suit. And she's wondering if this is like a test from her dad, where he she has to end up killing him. Um, so but while they're trying to figure that out, a a missile comes right into the building in which they are in. Fortunately, they do make it out in time as they are being attacked by the, the alien troops, it looks like. So um Little by little, we start to get a little bit of understanding of how long they've been there for. So Kid Flash is able to grab Artemis while she's shooting some arrows. But he tells her that, of course, they have bigger arrows, so she needs to stop and just get it out the way. But after they do make their exit, he checks his food supply, which I think this is the most clutch thing I've ever seen. Um in his gauntlets, he has a little compartment where he does keep food, and when he sees that it's completely empty, he states, okay, we have been here for at least 24 hours, because I would have gone home last night to um to re-up my food supply, and I was like, that's a great trick, to else to one, to make sure that you're fueled up while you're speed stirring up and doing your thing, but also just to to keep track of time, too, like, I feel like that's a very good, I don't know, it's like a mnemonic or whatever it is, to help you make sure you're on deck
1: yeah uh yeah it's a great little detail um just a reminder that the flash the food bill must be higher than the apartment rent bill that barry has on the show because (laughs) the carbs you need um i do also want to quickly circle back to the fact that artemis was ready to take tanks on with arrows my boy arrows (laughs) this girl is on another level um <laughs> like I do this at, all day. <laughs> after Miss Martian flashbacks to uh some getting some light her lightly harassed by Wally, she starts to get her memories, some of her memory back. Um, unfortunately, she's not around for Superboy meeting Wally because he's smacks with the stuffing <laughs> out of Wally. Um, luckily he has speed healing. Um Superman also gets superboy also gets shot with a tank round, destroys some tanks, but um he does get captured. They use the fast and furious Dom Toretto method of capturing, which is shoot a bunch of high tense wires to lock you in place. Um and is this and he gets knocked out telepathically. Luckily, this is finally where where Miss Martian shows up and is in their minds and she while he goes girls are always on my mind but they're not usually talking <laughs> jesus christ while they get it together um but as a nice detail he initially thinks she's john jones in another outfit but of course she reveals she is not Mm-mm. and that they really need to find calder because he has not gotten access to lotion in at least 24 hours <laughs>
0: Yes, a fun little detail <laughs> that we do learn back in our denial episode was that um, Calder, unfortunately, like Miss Martian, um, they don't do well with heat, uh, and this is mainly due to his Atlantean physiology. So the dryness of the desert that they are trapped in has completely KO'd this dude. At the same time, Robin's continuing his journey. He finds a GPS marker on his um on his HUD or what do they call it, like holodeck map. <laughs> Um, so when he gets to it, he get he sees that there are a bunch of um, Bialyans soldiers there who are ready to ambush him, quickly takes him down. Um, fortunately, though, he had the help of uh, Kid Flash, which Martian and Artemis. And as they come together, uh, Kid Flash and Robin, they do know each other. And another detail that does get revealed is that it does seem like they lost about uh, six months of their time because... According to the um, the mission date or on the episode, is September fourth. Robin can't remember anything past March, so this is where um, they are like trying to collectively remember everything. And Kid Flash, I think this is the one quick hilarious adult joke that was in this episode. It was Kid Flash. He accidentally touches his um, his emblem, and he realizes he could transfer from his stealth suit to his normal suit. And he just keeps pressing it to the point where Artemis has to just yell out, quit touching yourself.
1: Yeah, And it's also a great gag because they all try it. Everybody else tries to see if they can do that. (laughs) Um, And they're disappointed that they can't. So Miss Marshall, now that she has most of them together, decides to link them together and ask to open their minds. And it's a great scene because in the background in this mindscape, you can kind of see flashes of their memories everywhere. Once they get their minds open and get the six months back, Wally and Artemis immediately stop holding hands, (laughs) (laughs) as we could understand. But now Miss Martian is desperate to find Superboy because she realizes he loses six months. He loses everything. He has Mm -hmm. no memories before six months. And Robin helpfully points out, "Beat too late that we don't know what erased your memories. Your memories can be erased again if you do this. Mm -hmm. But it's too late. So as she goes to save Superboy, she gets hit by the villain of this week, Simon. Simon mm. says a race.
0: Yes, and she heads on over to the tent. Um, this leads into a giant uh mindscape battle between the two of them. Uh, I do love the the moments that were happening. Again, I think the back era characters, like you always comment on, is just like they're hilarious because there's this one scientist who notices that um simon is just looking straight ahead not like not doing anything just looking straight ahead there's nothing there that they can see even though we know that he and miss martian are engaged in this battle and he takes his hand and just like runs to the front of simon's eyes and it's like oh this dude is so weird Uh, and then just keeps on going about his day as we see now that uh, fortunately Miss Martian was able to take out the electricity that was being poured through Superboy at the same time being able to take away the, um, the attack that was happening based off of this alien technology which the whole team was supposed to go and investigate based when they come, when they um, have their flashback together. Um, they see that this piece of alien technology is just like this giant marble, uh, just really like a sphere. Um, circling around this like squealing out in pain every single time that Superboy is in pain. So we don't pay too much attention to that, but it does finally break out and is able to break Superboy out. So Superboy is able to um by accidentally touching McGann, she sees Superboy and is able to give him back his memories in this really touching moment because we get a chance to see Superboy through McGann's eyes, pretty much. And it's just like scene of like. Him being very heroic or him having his like, you know, his anger moments. But then they're very touching scenes in which, especially from the last episode in Downtime, when the two seem to almost have kissed, which is still echoing, giving us the question like, did, did they kiss or not?
1: Yeah. And unfortunately, there's not enough time to really enjoy this because <laughs> Simon interrupts. He blocks this and we get a really cool psychic fight between um simon and miss martian where they're trading blows they're going back and forth (laughs) and things are getting intense and miss martian is like losing ground so she just says you know what Superboy goes back into battle he says you're strong and i'm stubborn together we can do this (laughs) and Mm -hmm. that's enough their collected power is enough to defeat simon and they almost kiss once more, but they do have to get back to their teammates and bring home a new pet sphere. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and also realize that robots are the biggest cock block when it comes to Superboy in these last couple of episodes. So I can see why Superman I, does not hate machines. This hates
1: machines. I mean, <laughs> it makes sense. It makes complete sense. <laughs> and the episode ends with Simon reporting to the light, just like Black Manta did in the previous episode, and the light basically going, nah, dude, it's all right. Uh, you good? You good? Uh, this this works anyway. We we now have a better understanding of what's going on. So, uh, with that, uh, with the light comes the sunset of this trilogy of episodes.
0: Yes, and now as we. Take a moment to, um, you know, work on our magical skills. See if like we could finally get our houses in order, whether it be Gryffindor, Ravenclaw, or Slytherin. Um, we're gonna leave you with a podcast that you should be listening to from the Forgotten Entertainment family. The next time you're not listening to us. <laughs> All right, so from our trilogy of episodes here between episodes seven through nine, what is your most whelmed episode? Again, that is the episode that you felt was the best that moves
1: the story along. This was uh, this is really tough because uh, I can say definitively downtime was the weakest here for me. Mm-hmm. I get why we did all the vignettes of different people's lives, but I can't tell you why the Flash Beignet was here? Like the, that dinner, <laughs> I don't. I can't tell you what it did with the plot. Artemis's school thing. I don't remember if that comes back. Um, but I'll forgive them if they did. Mm. But the main thing for me here was that Aqualad was acting so out of character for him to me. Mm. Like this is partially future knowledge because we know what happens with his romantic triangle anyway. Right. But also, it's just. The, this plot line seems like it would have been more appropriate for Wally for him to go back and have a best friend that is Mm. dating somebody else. That makes a lot of sense for Wally and him being immature and jealous, but you can't do two Wally episodes in a row. I get it. True. Um, but yeah, that's why it just seemed a little out of character. And by the end he was like, you know what? She just got a concussion and you helped me a little bit. So I'm good with this relationship now. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So, really, it came down to the better of the two. And it's really hard because the six month memory loss is such a creative plot setup. Mm-hmm. It doesn't completely reset them. But I really do like the whole Dr. Fate storyline. It's so, it's so cool and self contained. But ultimately, if we are talking about who's the full package of great episode advances the story. It bereft. It has to be the last of the trilogy is the strongest entry because of what it sets up, the dynamics it introduces, and the characters it brings into this that factor in later. Mm-hmm. Um, that all those reasons put it just slightly ahead, even though um the the Doctor Fate episode is really good on its own, really self-contained on its own, and get some important stuff for Wally.
0: I hear you on that. Um, yeah, because I did feel that denial and bereft were my two strongest ones, just because again, I, I felt the same way. Like the vignettes with like the different the other team members, just I felt like that was just like, oh, we we should throw them in because we're still eight episodes in. We want to make sure that um it does feel like you get a chance to see and meet every single character. However, a lot of it did feel a bit forced. Like I feel like some of these could have just been like, just add-ons into like how we normally do, where it's just like we could start the episode with this scene happening and then jump to maybe like weeks later, how the denial episode did where the weeks later we're now dealing with that moment, which is why personally, I did feel like the denial episode was for me a strong episode. I was going back and forth with bereft, but I think the thing that um, gives me a lot of joy about this episode was just seeing the beginning stages of all of these dynamics that we'll come to know and love i think for the future of the show by which i mean adding in the magical element like i think that having that first episode being like hey we're not too sure about magic and then lean into it heavily i think throughout the rest of the series is really good because we get a chance to see the beginning stages of that and just have some fun with it um also the ideas of the um the lords of chaos and order i think just like it sets up so much more for the um, for the series, and also just like the fact that you had this one small moment where um, Megan and Artemis are just talking about like which one of the boys are we? Really... Do you think it's cute? And it's like, oh, that that does have like back knowledge of like seeing the show a couple times. You could see that paying off in the future, but I think that um, here we got a chance to see a strong moment of growth for Wally. I think also like taking Robin a little out of the equation for a bit was also an interesting thing because it does show that um, recognizing that this team is to act as a covert team, but they're all um, connected to these much larger families. So it's possible to bounce them around in different things. Not saying that downtime didn't do that, but, you know, sometimes you don't want to see the entire team all the time. Sometimes it's nice to just say that like, hey this is the team that we're working with and this is how they're this is how you have to operate in this space and there are a lot of great moments and just like the dialogue between um which i think was actually coming up a lot during that time like this these episodes probably premiered about like 2011 and i think across different um different ips there were conversations of like what is science and what is magic and each side had their own definition of it but it all fell in line with science magic is just science that we haven't truly discovered yet and then here it is that we still have this wonderment about magic while someone who has a very science focused mind tried to explain that all and then showing how the little intersections actually exist and how that um moves the um the way that more heroes in the future will also play along with that as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think it. Uh, it's the, always the ongoing battle with DC because they you see so many extraordinary things. It's, you know, everyone's desperate to make as many boxes as they can to mm-hmm. understand what's going on. So yeah, it it is an important concept to t- tackle really early, and it's so hard to do well. But, um, you know, in the words of Dr. Fate, how did how did a boy you at just age 15 get so bullheaded already? You were. <laughs> it, um, so it, it is nice to to break that down and break that barrier down early.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. And now um, just because it's it's a lot, it's a lot of content. I want to make sure we have some time for this. Uh, we're going to jump into that comic book knowledge because um, episodes seven through nine take place between. Um, if I'm not mistaken, excluding, oh, no, actually this does include now I'm thinking about it. Um, it takes place between July 27th to September 3rd. Uh, so July 27th was around the time that Kenton Nelson was kidnapped. It took us three weeks apparently to find out this old man was missing. Um, I don't know. His life alert was just messed up or something. Red Tornado, Like, come on, bro. Check in on your friend. And then it ended up on, um, September th- or 4th where the team um that entire mission happens on like september 4th september 5th um so i'm going to be talking about uh as i mentioned before in our first couple of episodes i'm reading the comics based off the dates within the show um to give some context of what was happening in between and with episodes seven through nine that means that um for people out there who are also following along please read greg Weisman's. Young Justice series issues nine through 15.
1: (laughs) Oh, God.
0: (laughs) Yeah, fortunately, it's quick. And fortunately, a lot of it does focus on um, because I think that what we saw in this episode was an expansion of the storytelling of certain individuals on the team. In these comics, you're going to see an expansion of the storytelling and a little bit of origin stories for a lot of villains that we might come across in the future. Um, one of whom we didn't see in this show, one of whom we did see in this show, and one of whom may still be a secret. With issues nine through 15, um, issues nine through 10, that happens between the kidnapping of Kent Nelson and the moment when they're finally alerted to the fact. So this is where we get a chance to meet DC superhero Captain Adam. Um, this is someone that we've met back in the Superman, Batman, Public Enemies uh movie. He was the one that's like a Silver silver surfer, Silver Surfer looking dude, but he ate more um he ate more protein compared to the Silver Surfer. Uh so he's requesting that the team covertly look into the trial and death of U.S. soldier Nathaniel Adams. Um so Adams was charged for killing his superior officer while on duty, and he was caught in the act, so it's basically open and shut. Ultimately, it's reported that he ended up taking his own life in jail um however as the team is looking into the case they start seeing that things are not adding up like everybody that was brought forward to the witness stand they can find details that they fabricated every single thing that they said that um nathaniel adams was stating like he was saying that he was knocked out because um someone gave him some kind of drug and that he woke up actually with the knife in his hand next to the dead body um, likely story right right <laughs> <laughs> so, and a lot of this information they get from the judge on the case, General Wade Eiling who um, a couple years after the trial ended up marrying Adam's school- um, former wife and adopted his kids. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Your face said it. That all. was just
1: sorry. Sometimes I forget it's not visual. Uh, that was <laughs> just me going, what. The- <laughs> <laughs>
0: And that was the unofficial WTF moment in comments. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So as the team is investigating it, they do discover that this whole situation is connected to a gun smuggling ring that Nathaniel Adams found out about and was going into report. But then he was um, he was framed, basically. So they do find out who it is. it's actually one of the people who um, was on, actually every single person on the witness stand was a part of this gun smuggling ring. And they're all being led by this one person who the team was able to take down and take to jail. And finally, they are able to clear uh, Nathaniel Adams' name, who is later revealed to to the reader, not the team, is actually Captain Adams himself when he's having a conversation with General Eiling and the two are just joking around like, Captain Adams, like, huh? I figured you had some hand in it because you were the judge on the case, but glad to know that you aren't, especially because you know you married my wife and stole my kids. Um <laughs> so, and you know, it's a nice moment because General Island's like, do you want to come and meet them now? Because now that your name is clear, you it's fine for you to do so. And we're seeing again the sense that General Island is this really nice guy, but he is not. The way that the team was able to figure out everybody who might be who was a part of this Um, one is because they were all targeted um, and killed because they were able to find a picture of every single person that was involved in the gun smuggling ring, taking a picture together. So when one of the characters, uh, one of the co-conspirators comes back to talk with his boss in the gun smuggling ring, it's revealed as General Eiling. And he states, you know, the team was looking so much into like who was in the picture. They never thought about asking who took the picture.
1: Mm, mm-hmm. nice villain line there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's why
0: personally this was actually um my favorite set of comics from this particular set of issues. Uh, because following up after that, we have issues 11 through 13 where we get the origin of the character that we did see briefly in the downtime episode, and that's Clayface.
1: Ah, yes. He was split into a butt, and then <laughs> that's the origin, right?
0: I mean, yeah, in the uh not safe for work version that carly quinn gave um but yeah since issue nine we do see that calder is having these feelings of homesickness um when and he's really missing tula so and the 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 thing that ends up happening is that it can becomes a part of like his day-to-day operations where the team is like trying to figure out um how they can help in certain cases and whatnot where he's just super distracted so i just wanted to say that really quickly because he's as we saw it does have a moment a stronger moment in the episode of downtime um and these and there's like this run was the beginning of that so but the main focus of this of issues 11 through 13 is actually um what was happening to robin as we stated he was missing from the episode during um the events of dr fate so Batman and Robin were facing off against Talia and Ra's al Ghul um, and all of the shadows. Uh, They were trying to stop this laser that Ra's was trying to send up into space that was attached to another rocket that was going to be sent up into space from a satellite. Um, And in doing so, Robin inadvertently kills Ra's al Ghul. It happens. Right. Actually, that's the funny thing. Batman was like, Robin was torn up. He was just like, I can't believe I killed him. I did not expect for him to fall like that. And especially, you know, it's probably traumatizing given the fact of his own origin story. Um, but Batman's like, don't worry about it. It's, I've killed this man like 52 times already. He be <laughs> <laughs> So when Rache goes into the Lazarus pit, he comes out. Um, he's in the room with like Talia, um, the sensei that we saw in the, um, the Infiltrators episode. Um, so they're all talking, and as Rash goes to retire to his room, somebody starts calling out Talia's name, and out from the Lazarus pit comes Clayface. And mm-hmm. now we have, which is our WTF moment in comics, because this is the origin story of Clayface within this universe in our next issue issue 12 uh we do a little flashback as we learn that Clayface is actually a former lover of Talia al Ghul his name is Matthew Hagen he's a shadow um, um within the league of shadows and it's it's like said every single time they say his name they're like oh by the way he wasn't a really good sh- um assassin or shadow so uh, just by the way whenever you talk about Matthew Hagen it's like he was he was trash
1: low tier low <laughs>
0: but Talia fell in love with him um and this was after she had been denied by Bruce for like the 52nd time um Rach is just like yo i really want you to be with Bruce like he after he finds out he's like you're wasting your time with this lowly shadow who um you know he does it, he's a little tear and she he finally concedes because he sees that like you know no matter what Talia is going to want to find somebody to be with. Bruce isn't, um, you know, Bruce isn't really trying to be with her. So he understands that he wants his daughter to find love and be happy. So when Talia goes to meet with Hagen to tell him the news that our my father said that we could finally be together and, you know, we could be together forever. He's like, great. But just so you know, forever is really only six months because I have cancer. Not a great time to bring this up, Hagen. Nope. Uh, he then flips it to say that I do know about the Lazarus pit so we could be together forever if you allow me to take a dip into the Lazarus pit. And Natalia brings him to one, and she's very distraught by the idea of her lover dying as, as she played off. But actually, she's very distraught over the fact that like she got played to this way. So as he enters into the pit, um, and she's like amping up saying, like, you'll become immortal, we could definitely be together forever. She takes a slab that was next to it and closes it over, trapping him in the Lazarus pit. And this has been going on for six months that he's been in the Lazarus pit, just quote unquote regenerating.
1: Oh, yeah, that's uh, it's like soaking too long in a bath, <laughs> it's just not good for
0: you. It's good for Aqualab, but not for anybody else. <laughs> Um. So when race came, went into the Lazarus Pit to to come back to life, and then this is how Clayface came out because when he was finally free, he became this like morphological being, and he starts attacking everything. And um, you know, race shows here that he has some big shadows energy as he looks Clayface into the eyes and tells him to stop. He decides to send him over to Batman to so that they can fight, and. When you mentioned that, like how Batman was unsure, why is it that Batman only jumped in at the tail end? This is because when Batman and Robin first faced off against Clayface, it is clearly stated by Robin that they got their asses handed to them. And he, Batman called the rest of the team to go fight Clayface because he needed somebody else to be the canon father while he goes and takes down Clayface himself. That makes a lot of sense. (laughs) That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> uh, and finally, we have our last two issues. Um, issues 14 and 15, they aren't really anything that you really need to know. It does feel like a redone version of the downtime episode because after they do defeat Clayface, as we see in um, in the show and in this particular, at the end of issue 13, um, Calder wants to... Batman tells him that he has to leave in order to figure out what to do, but we do have a bit of a time jump here because, um, this does seem to happen right after the events of the um, them after the Bialyan mission, um, because it happens on September 4th, so or, or 5th. So, Superboy and Miss Martian are asked by Calder if they want to come along with him to go back to his home um, just to check in on stuff. And we do get a sense to here too, where Calder after returning home and to get a chance to, to see everything, he comes across um, Garth and Tula again, who have finally kind of accepted their more out, um, out showing of their relationship. And we do see that it's still hurting Calder a bit, but um, he's trying to move on from it, especially because there's a whole other attack on on Atlantis, this time led by Ocean Master who wants to steal the throne after finding out that Mira is pregnant. It's revealed to the reader that Ocean Master is actually Prince Orm in disguise and the rest, everybody else doesn't know this.
1: The, uh I guess everybody went to that Superman school of recognizing people. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so this is just a lot of origin story for villains and um, side characters. Um, I will say definitely uh, issues 11, the first set of issues that we read were really good about this case with General Eiling. And there's also another villain origin story that happens in this, or at least a continuation of a previous story that we saw in the show. Um, I'm not going to mention it now just because I want to save it for when it actually comes up in the series. But there there will be there's more (laughs) they were covering a lot in these issues right and i'm just like y'all should have low-key should have promoted this better i would have actually if i had known that there's so much stuff happening in the day-to-day i probably would have picked it up but thankfully um hashtag not sponsored i don't have to because it is all available on dc universe infinite where if you pay your monthly subscription you get to read these comics for free hashtag not sponsored where's my sponsorship dc universe (laughs) Give
1: us our plug, (laughs) buddy.
0: All right. Well, that wraps up our set of episodes today. Join us next week as we're covering, um, continue our coverage on Young Justice. But until then, take care of yourselves and remember that um, magic exists, even if you can only
1: explain it through science. And if you're fighting a wizard, don't go commando. Do it for all of us. (laughs)